fellow travelers, and welcome back to the Unbroken Ground. Thank you for joining me once again. Uh, my name is Paul, and uh, glad to have you here this week. This is episode 38. The title is Failure is an Option, and just going to continue to talk about leadership, the idea of trust, and how uh, to navigate, uh, some thoughts on how to navigate um, through um, failure and, and when things don't work exactly like we think they do. And also just some, some ideas and to think about for leaders. Uh, so I hope you've been enjoying kind of this uh, little take as we've kind of uh, moved into doing a little more leadership than anything else. And uh, again, if you have any questions, you can always follow along, send questions to um, the Facebook page, uh, that the Unbroken, uh, Facebook forward slash The Unbroken Ground, uh, or email at theunbrokenground at gmail.com or you can find me on both Instagram and threads. Uh, so yeah, we're going to jump into failure is an option. So one of the things that I talked a lot about last week was trust and how important that is for leadership. And, and especially when you're thinking about the ideas of where different sources and the different um, ways that leadership is it, where where it kind of um, gets its influence from, um, and a lot of times that is um, it kind of works its way it works its way through through different things. But one of the things is that we we trust we trust in their authority, we trust in their knowledge, we trust in their wisdom, we trust that they are caring for us, and so um, then we we choose to follow. Um, and I think that one of the things that's very hard for leaders to navigate is the idea of, uh, of broken trust. And uh, because trust is broken so easily and can be um, even, there can even be some trust issues that, that exist because of other life experiences, not just uh, within the leadership's organization or within that person's time at that organization or church that those are definitely issues that we have to think about and work through. Um, but I think one of the, one of the major issues that, um, and we'll get back to doing some, some trust here in a minute, but one of the major issues is that failure is an option. It, it has to be, um, there has to be everything worth doing, um, has some risk, everything worth doing, everything that, that could be, uh, also has a, a risk for, uh, couldn't be, uh, and not everything we do is going to succeed. Uh, so I think that as, as leaders, we have to be aware that not every idea will work. Not everything is going to succeed. Um, and, and how we deal with failure actually can build or tear down trust. And, and so, so it's something that's very important that not only is it, is it important to understand why something doesn't work and learn from uh, that failure, uh, whatever that project might be or that idea or that outreach um, plan you had or that Bible study you thought was going to go so well, um, when it doesn't work, uh, when that idea doesn't work like you think that it, that it, would, it should, um, what, do you, what do you do? Um, and how do you react to that? Uh, and so I think there's some keys um, that we can can kind of hone in on uh, as we think about that. Um, and then also there's a principle I think that's very important for that I learned a long time ago in a, uh, a, a college course or actually a master's of divinity course that I took in seminary um, that is the principle of, of the, the roller coaster of change. Um, 
And I think it really applies well in, in this idea of failure um, and, and where leaders are and where, where the rest of the people are. So that's just, a, again, a quick overview. We'll hit some of those points. But the first, so the first thing is just knowing that failure is a possibility and, and, and a likelihood. How do we, as leaders, uh, what do we do? Um, and, and I think one of the, the key things here to think about is transparency in um, both explaining the risk that we have moving forward and outlining the positives and, and giving the best ways to move forward. Um, I, I, I've been pondering this week this question, uh, and I don't know if I found a good answer yet because um, it, it's hard to correlate um, in between a, uh, the, the different examples that I have, especially if you think about the business world or the church. Uh, but the idea that I've been thinking about is this, this idea that let's say that you have a professional football team. And if you don't do sports, sorry. Um, hopefully there'll be other things that uh, you'll catch on to. But let's say you have a professional football team. Uh, you've settled your roster. You've paid everybody. The contracts are signed. There cannot be a change. And you do an evaluation, and, and as coaches, you realize that you don't have a great defense. Um, you don't have a great defense. You, you just don't have the players. You don't have, you know, the, um, the, the, the development didn't go through like you thought it would. Um, it, it, you have, it, maybe you have a good defense, but it's just not a great defense. And you don't have any ways to you, and you're just not going to change. You can't, um, you know, trades are just not going to be enough. And you know that for the for this season, for this this set of games, this roster, the weakness is going to be your defense. How do you address that as a team? And so I wonder uh, if there are. I I can't imagine. And again, I just this is just a, a scenario I'm dreaming up here. But I can't imagine that there are coaches who um, will uh, basically go, "Yep, our defense is not good, so we're going to have to score points." I mean, they might say that amongst themselves, but I think that when they go back to the team, they're going to emphasize the strengths um, and, and whether that be, oh, we've got a really good offense and we've got a good enough defense, um, but really, oh, our defense is good in these situations. We know that, that if, they, if, we play, if we play the right scheme, if we have the right plan, uh, we'll mitigate a lot of the weaknesses. And so, but, but I don't think that they, they transparently go out and be like, hey, yeah, our defense is not good. Um, maybe they do. Maybe there's some, some, just some hard, um, transparent, uh, uh, just being, just being as, as open and, um, and, and informative as they can be, um, for the whole team to be like, all right, this is where we are. Here's, here's the open and honest evaluation. We're really good on offense, but our defense is not that good. Uh, instead, I think they just say, yeah, we, we've, you know, we've got, um, We've got a really good offense, and we've got players' uh, defense that that'll keep us in games. That'll that'll we 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 play the right way. We play um, up to our potential, and we we'll see. We won't get we we'll be able to be in the the game to win. Um, 
I, I think that, and so like to translate, translate that with transparency, like if you, if you're in a church or if you're in a business and you know that there are things that um, are weaknesses or things that are not going to be your strengths and you don't have the resources or they're not slated to be the things that you change, um, do you address them? Um, let's say that, um, you have a, I mean, what do you do as a coach if you've, if you've scored 80 points a game, but, uh, in football, but then that the opposing scores 88 each time, like your, your, your offense is doing really well, but your defense just is not doing good. Like, do you, how do you address that? Because the people who are living out that situation, um, the people who are living out that reality, uh, will notice and and they will they will begin to form their opinion they'll begin like do these these coaches do they know do they just not care do it how I may yeah there's nothing that they can do about it but but do they understand are they just bad at their job um, and and I think that there at least runs some risk of that as a, as a leader um, that if you don't have an honest evaluation, an honest conversation with the people that you are leading, uh, the, the people that work for you, um, if you don't address the things that are weaknesses, the things that you can improve now, the things that you want to improve later, if you don't address that in a transparent manner, when you try to hide that, or if you only talk about strengths, uh, it's, it's not like the weaknesses go away. Um, and again, I don't know that, that you would, you, how you address that. I don't know that there's a great way to address that, but I do think that in the, in the, when you're talking about building trust and you will talk about the, the experience of all those that are, that are serving underneath you that you're responsible for, um, I think you do have to think through their experiences and their experiences are going to be. Um, affected by these things, these weaknesses, these these processes, these things that aren't necessarily going to change, but they are there and they're pain points. And so you do, I think, have to um, own some of those those pain points. And and you know you you have we have plans and you may have a plan to fix other things and they just don't fit. I mean you can't fix everything all at once. Um, that just doesn't, you know, we just don't have the resources, right? And so how do you address both those things that are like, yeah, we see the things that you see, but we are not able to address them um, right now. We're not able to address them in any way right now. So, um, so what, so do, and then what do you do when people continuously go, well, these are, these are the things that, that bring that, that cause me hardship. These are the things that are difficult for me. These are the things that I see um, and, and, and the levels and at, at the levels like why? Like wh- what what are we going to do with the weaknesses and and if we can't address them, um, how do we recognize those? Um, and so like the offense, so let's go back to the football team, the offense, can't uh, like it's like oh they're gonna play harder because they gotta make up for the weaknesses and so if you're talking about a, a job then there's like oh well you just have there's this reality that for a time you're going to have to put up with or work harder at your job because of the things the processes the technology the tools that you have 
aren't just they're just not going to be fixed. Um, they're not they're not perfect. Um, they're not not even good sometimes. Um, and so as leaders, you have to, I think, uh, figure out how to address that. Figure out how to um, address that without allowing that to define the the people's experience. And and I don't and I think that that's hard. Like I I think that that's that's hard, especially as a as a leader, um, when you know that you have to choose the, the the priorities, you have to choose where the resources are being allocated, you have to decide what it is that you're going to address. And when you have uh, these things that that um, are pain points for people that serve under you, um, you and you can't do anything about them. Um, you have to decide how you're going to talk about them, how you're going to engage with them, um, or you, or maybe you ignore them. Uh, I mean, I, I think that those are all things that leaders have to work through. Do I do I talk about? Do I point out the the things that um, are are weaknesses or things that that don't go like we want them to go? Um, do I do I address those things, or do I just continue to talk about our strengths, the things that are going well, the 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 ways that we're changing for? the better in other areas, the things that are coming, the changes that are going to be, um, the changes that won't be for a couple of years. I mean, do you, how, where do you find um, like your voice to communicate all of these things? Like you, you have to be consistent. And I think that is where one of the things like, and get into like transparency is that in, in full transparency, um, we, you leaders don't necessarily have to share all the information with everybody. That's not where broken trust comes in. I think where broken trust comes in is when in full transparency, um, leaders just share all the information um, and either it's inaccurate or um, it's misleading. So when they are like, oh, I want to give you all this information, um, but it's not it's not accurate or it's not really it's not really properly put together so that it that it gives the correct understanding um and and i think in a lot of ways some of that trust um with full transparency like i want you to know all things is fine except for um when it reveals a continual process that seems to be broken um, so for example, um, if you're going to, um, change something, you should have a plan, um, or you should have the details of a plan, uh, before you're like, oh, I just want you guys to know this is going to happen. Okay. Because immediately the questions are when, and what does that mean? And what does that mean for me? And what does it mean for, and, and so like, it mean, what does it mean for the company? What does it mean for us as, as employees? Like all of those things, those are questions that immediately pop up when we, when we, when, when leadership announces things. So when you announce something, but you don't fill in the gaps, what you do is you leave opportunity for the gaps to be filled in by the people and they may or may not fill them in well. They, they may not or uh, or may fill them in positively, or they may fill them in very negatively, depending on their experience. And, and so I think in, in some ways, like failure is not so much a problem. 
Although it can definitely be continued failure, it can definitely be detrimental and can definitely break trust, um, especially if you're trying to do the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But also the idea of, of like, oh, we're, we're just trying to let you know all the information, but we don't have plans. And, and I think that that, in a lot of ways, when you say, well, there's no plans, we, have, we know a change is coming, but we don't know what the plan is. Um, then it then it very much um, opens up the door to speculation uh, about well do they know what they are doing um, and right right wrong or indifferent like um, if you're dealing in a situation where trust is already on shaky ground uh, I think you do have to be very aware of how you communicate when you communicate and what you communicate um, and it's okay to to hold on to full transparency until you have all the information. There will always, and, and side note, uh, there will always be people who you didn't tell soon enough. Oh, well, you should have told, told us that, told, told us sooner, even if you didn't know all the answers. And then there will always be the people who are like, oh, you haven't told us enough. Um, you didn't tell us soon enough and you didn't tell us enough. Um, yeah, there are always going to be people that it doesn't matter how transparent you are or how much you plan that you'll just, there'd be some people who will not be happy, um, just for the very fact that people don't like change. People don't like things not working. They don't like, like they want things to work because that is a lot less energy and strength and mental having to think about it. Um, so there's always going to be that. So you're not going to make everybody happy. That, so that's one thing to remember too. But but I do think it's important to be very explicitly intentional about how you communicate around failure and how you communicate around um, your your organization when you're when you're honestly evaluating and understanding like oh we do have these these are the places that we need growth, um, but it's not necessarily going to be now. You know we, we yes we need growth but we don't have the resources we're growing in this area over here. And that's where the resources are going to, and that's okay. Like we, you, you, you are not, none of, no one has unlimited resources other than God. And so you do have to make those decisions. You do have to make those choices and it's okay to make those choices. Um, but have good reasons and then have plans and then, and then talk about those plans and then allow questions to be, because those are the types of transparency. Those are the actions of transparency of saying, rather than just trying to provide that, the, like the soonest you can of when you make a decision instead say hey here's all of the planning we've put into this here's all the questions we've asked and then realize there's going to be more people are always going to have more questions and that's okay that's how people kind of sort through change and that's and and that's just the way people are and so um when you when you when you cut that out that that portion now i mean obviously that doesn't just because people have questions or opinions doesn't mean you have to listen to their opinions or change. But I think you should at least be open to the idea that if you haven't spent a lot of time gathering um, opinions beforehand or wisdom or counsel beforehand, that when you make that change, somebody might actually have um, something good to say. And so being knowing when to be open to feedback um, is another part portion of leadership. So, um, full transparency, 
but then also the humility to know that um, there, like, um, once once trust has been broken, or even like once you go through failure, um, there is a growth process that has to happen. There is a uh, a process that has to renew this trust and and it's going to take some people longer it's going to take some people some people are not going to need a lot of time but as leaders it's very difficult for us because um leadership wants to to move on um we don't want to sit in that failure yep we failed we've got to move on however um people just no, no two people work the same way and you can't just put everybody on a timeline of like all right time to get past this you trust us again we're moving forward um, that's just not how the world works. Um, and it's okay that the world doesn't work that way. And it's okay that, that you spend some time. There, there is difficulty, there is risk in doing things that are worthwhile doing. And so sometimes you're going to have to work through the dynamics of failure. But one of the reasons that, uh, and this, is a, this is, goes back to the roller coaster of change, and I think it's super important for us to think about. I think if you read um, the roller coaster of change is is one thing. There's another uh, book by Craig Rochelle called It, um, where he talks about the idea of if you want to bring something about, if you want to bring some, you want to change your mission statement, you want to change the DNA of your organization. Um, one of the things is that people that that usually leaders are the first to buy in. They're the first to deal with the the loss of the old. To, to, uh, to accept and to ask the questions and to move through the, the acceptance of the new and then to be gung-ho about it. And so they actually get to go through that whole process, that whole norming process of grieving the loss of the old, um, seeing and asking and, and evaluating the changes of the new, and then, and then um, becoming excited about the possibility of the new. Um, and, and a lot of times those who, who experience that in real time or, or get to see that um, before they even bring it to the people they're leading, they've already gone through this whole cycle. Um, and, and so what happens is that they start talking about it, and this is what Craig Rochelle says in the book It. It says that you, that about the time that you get sick of talking about it, so you have decided to make the change, you've worked your way through that cycle, you're on the other side, and you start talking about it. About the time that you get so sick and tired about talking about it, is about the time that people go, "Huh, I I think I wait. I think you're trying to tell me something." Um, and you want to yell, the leader wants to yell from the, the rooftops, of course I have. I've been telling you this, this, we, we, yes. Um, and that's when they begin the process of grieving the old and, and asking the questions and accepting the new. And, and so that's when they begin. And so the way that, uh, that another resource that I had, like I said, in seminary was to think about it as a, as a roller coaster. And at the left side of the roller coaster, this bell curve, if you will, is, is, um, the beginning of change. And so the idea starts and then you go up and you, you evaluate the idea, you get to the top of the idea, you decide that the change has to happen. And so once you decide the change has to happen, you go start heading down the other side of the curve. And so you're down there. So as leaders, we go through the roller coaster of, of change first. So, so we, are the f we are the very first ones to, to hear, to start climbing up that side that says, I wonder if things have to be different. And, and as we work through that, as we live through that, as we think through that, we climb up to that point where we go, all right, there does have to be change. And then we are down the other side and, 
And we, and so we have to remember that the people that we're leading are still at the start. They haven't made the journey up to the top of the roller coaster and down. And so what for us seems like the time where we're like, look, we've already decided this is moving forward. Things have changed. This is, this is happening for us as leaders because we have lived through the change already. We have to remember that the people that follow us, the congregations, the, the teams, the, that, that they are not there yet. And so, so our jobs is going to be not just come up with a change, not just to say, hey, let's get it through, let's go, but it's to work people and help work with people and help them make it through that transition. And so it feels very slow because we have emotionally, mentally, and spiritually already made the shift but the people who are following us haven't. So we have to figure out how to get people into that. We have to get people, how, how to get people through that, um, that process of change, that roller coaster of change without being frustrated by it. And, and I think that it's very important to realize that you can't just go, hey, get over, just get over it. Just do it. Just, why are you not with us yet? Um, because we, because those that are following you haven't worked through the change yet. They haven't made it to the top. They haven't decided that, that yes, they need to continue on. They haven't made it through. You're way ahead, as you should be, as the leader. Guess what? You get to cast the vision. You get to, you get to give direction. But you're way ahead. And so you can't, you can't leave us behind. You can't leave your followers behind. You can't. And so I think that's why, um, I think going back to um, my previous leadership is, is all leadership manipulation. I think that's why I, I just, I kind of balk. I talked about it a little bit last week too, but I think I balk at the idea of finding um, tricks where we trick people psychologically or emotionally to be our followers. Um, they may work, uh, certain words or the way we phrase things and the, and the questions we ask, they may work, but, um, I think that part of the process, and this is like the leadership style that I aspire to, or that I want to be, um, is that of a servant leader and, and it's found in its, um, uh, the biblical description is just of a good shepherd, uh, and, being a good shepherd uh, actually means that you deeply care for the sheep, and and I that you're that you're deeply serving. You're serving God as a leader, but you're also serving the flock, and you deeply care for those sheep. And and so as as a leader, we have to balance the role of um, visionary. Uh, of of driving where we're going to also just care for the the people that are underneath us and so like one of the things that's super hard to balance is the realities of um, the fact that not everything will be perfect systems won't be perfect and there will be um, trials and tribulations and struggles that we'll inflict upon the people that follow us um, because they're just there's just no perfection so that like to get to where we need to go like Moses like did you think about Moses and leading the Israelites um, I mean the things that they had to go through like 
they 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 were complainers and and they complained but but sometimes you're like oh okay i'm kind of with him like like they they go out into the desert and like they're like moses what are we going to eat and and then they have this manna and and they and and who knew that was coming or, or the, the quail shows up and like but but because moses is following god and and moses is like hey god's going to take care of us the the reality of the people is that they were still not quite sure. They didn't have quite the same faith that Moses did because Moses had had that personal experience. He had made he had made he had made it through the the transition of change, of 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 what's how we're going to do this, and so he trusted fully in God. But the people were not sure, and so they 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 pumped the brakes. Like Moses, what are we going to eat? Where are we going to get water? What is this? What is this? I mean, this is this is good, but but can we can we sustain this and 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 you see it even up into the point of when they cross over and they send these spies into the promised land and and there are those who have who have fully in, invested in this we're going to trust God lifestyle and those who hadn't and so the ones who said we're going to trust God saw the land was good it was full of milk and honey and and had and had produce and and was was ripe for the taking and the ones who were still not sure who were still not sure whose trust was not fully invested in this this god they saw the giants and so i so i think the contemplation that i have the thing that i continue to think about is how as leaders do we help our followers the people that we lead buy in and be like those who saw jo Joshua and Caleb who saw the land as ready and ripe and ready for the taking and how do we minimize the other 10 who were like no it's too much we can't move forward because of the the giants we were like we look like grasshoppers in their eyes we're ants they are they will smash us they'll kill us they will they'll win every battle how do we cultivate that so that when we send people out when we send people out with a vision when we when we lead people that they they see they see the the provision the trust they can have in us and the trust they can have in god and not see the obstacles and not see the problems. I mean, the, the problems are there. They're still going to have some battles. They're still going to have to fight. There's going to be a fight for the promised land, but God is on their side and God has told them, you're going to have it. And so that should be the answer, but it's not. And 10 out of the 12 spies come back depressed and despondent. And they say, why are we even doing this? Because we can't go to that land. We, we, we're like, we're we're tiny people in the land of these giants will never win we're doomed how do we as leaders help create more joshua and caleb's and lessen the other 10 how do we help people as leaders see the vision and the trust and cultivate that so that they're ready to move into the promised land. They're ready. They can see the goodness. They can see the future. They have hope. They're ready. They see what's going to, they see what's coming and they rejoice.
because as leaders, we we lead in those ways. We we are responsible. I mean, ultimately, as we follow God, that's what we're responsible to. But but the things we inflict upon those that follow us, the ideas and the the hopes and dreams and the visions and and the helps and the, the guidance and the wisdom, all those things that as leaders we give to those who follow us, we're responsible for that. We're responsible for caring. We're the good, we're the shepherds. Do we take good care of our sheep? Do we tend our flocks? Do we see them as, as individuals that need care and love, or do we just see them as, as wool and meat-producing units, and we just whatever we can get out of them is what we want? Because there's a difference, yeah? There's a difference when thinking about leadership. And the ultimate goal is to bring them into the place where they can see, they see past the trials and tribulations and the struggles and see the good that's coming and see the future, the vision, and they catch on to that. And they can wander in the wilderness knowing that God was going to have them move into the promised land and it was good. But not everybody caught that vision. Not everybody was ready. Some of that, you know, I think is on, is on Moses as a leader. Some of that is just in, in people's hearts. But we are called to lead in such a way, to cultivate that hope. And, and across all ways, in our families, in our, in our businesses, in our churches, that we are called because God is at, is at work and he's moving and he's got great things and we can trust in that. We can trust in God. We can't necessarily trust. We don't trust that necessarily will bring those things about because it's not our strength. It's only by his strength. But do we cultivate that kind of thinking and vision by the way that we lead and the way that we communicate? Does our leadership, does the way we lead, does the way that we lead people bring them to that idea that we are ready to take the next steps to move into the promised land or does it bring people who only see the challenges and 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 become depressed and despondent and weak and then and 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 how do we evaluate that how do you how do you evaluate that look at your life how are you going to look how are you going to take that and move forward and think about how do i help people become the people who see the promised land for god's goodness and don't see the promised land for the enemies and the troubles and the trialation, trial and tribulation that it could bring. That's the challenge this week. As to think about leadership, as to think about following. The other thing is, yeah, as a follower, are you more prone to see the goodness of God and rejoice in that and proclaim that? And not as in a name it and claim it idea, but really just to say, God, you are moving. You are moving out in front of me. I know that you have good things for me. And so I'm going to see them. I'm going to watch for them. I'm going to see the good even when things are bad. Even when things are rough, I'm still going to see that. I want to see your provision. And I want to follow leaders who want to see and show me those same things. So that's the challenge this week. How do we lead and how do we follow? And, and where, where do we fit in the goodness of God? Hope you have a great week. Hope, hope you come back to listen to next week's uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, God bless.